The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building Resilience. Talking Trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. Good morning, Australia, and happy Valentine's Day. Good evening, America. You're listening to Tony Lontis live on Radio Tony. Now, don't forget to jump on to our new website, radiotony.com, and see who's coming up on our radio show this week and our previous shows and grab the podcast of the live shows you've missed. Um, I'll pop that link up into the station chat box for you and for those of you listening live on Facebook because I'm trying the new technology of Facebook Live, it's radiotony.com. And welcome to those who've not listened to us before. Radio Tony is a platform for the unheard. And as you heard, I'm streaming live on Facebook today to play with the new technology and get over my fear of doing Facebook Lives. So what a week it's been for us in our little paradise in southeast Queensland, close to the Queensland-New South Wales border. We have had rain and flooding and have effectively been on flood watch for the last week, which is a little anxiety-provoking and there's been a lot of sleepless nights. We know that we flood in huge flooding events. That's not just everyday flooding, that's huge events. And we have a flood plan in place, which means that we get everything important to us off the property and our house is raised to a height where the flooding won't affect the house. But nevertheless, it's been an anxious week. This week on the show, we have the amazing Dixie Jeffrey, who's going to tell us her story about going from hell to heaven on earth, followed by Kerry, our wonderful sponsor for Radio Tony, and finally ending with the amazing Wendy Harper, who has a fantastic story to tell. Um, A reminder for all of you listening that I am off to the Philippines in May and I would love you to join me on my first transformational touring with Tony. So we take you away with an experienced guide and a team to look after all your cares. 
for a week out of your busy lives to experience what it's like to volunteer, give back and be taken to secret best spots in the Philippines. You fly to the exquisite island of Koran and be pampered, inspired and empowered by my unique travel experience. It includes all your internal travel, food, accommodation, tours and pampering. All you have to do is book and organize your flights. And I'd love you to join me for a week of rejuvenation in the exotic Philippines. So jump onto my website, tonylontis.com, and under the events and tours section, you'll find all the information you need to know. For those listening online, I'll pop the link into the chat box. And wouldn't you all like to spend a week with me? Now, before we get on to the rest of the show, I just thought that I'd tell you a little bit about the history of Valentine's Day, which I found fascinating. So even though it's Valentine's Day in Australia already, it's not Valentine's Day in America until tomorrow. So Valentine's Day, as most of you know, occurs every February 14 across the world. And for Australia and the United States, it means cards, candy, flowers, gifts exchanged with the ones you love. And it's all in the name of St. Valentine. But did you know that this mysterious saint was not just one saint, but it's thought that it was a combination of many saints. So the history of Valentine's Day includes the story of its patron saint, but the history and legend is actually surrounded in mystery. We do know that February has been the long celebrated as the month of romance and that St. Valentine's Day, as we know it today, contains vestiges of Christian and ancient Roman tradition. So the Catholic Church recognised that at least three different saints named Valentine of Valentusis, all whom were martyred, in fact, they were beheaded in most cases, which is not so good for the loving uh, the loving tradition of Valentine's. One of the legends contends that Valentine's was a priest who served in the 3rd century in Rome. And when Emperor Claudius II decided that single men made better soldiers than those that had wives and families, he outlawed marriage for young men. Valentine, realising the injustice of this decree, defied Claudius and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. When it was discovered, he was beheaded. Other stories suggest that Valentine may have been killed for attempting to help Christians escape harsh Roman prisons where they were often beaten and tortured. So the history of Valentine's one is uh, a bit convoluted. Suffice to say that we reach our modern Valentine's Day where we see lots of people showing love and wonder for the Institute of Love. Um, and just a quick little story in, to finish up this session. Um, I remember the first Valentine's gift uh, note that I got when I was about 12 and it went something like this. Roses are red, violets are blue. Sugar is sweet, and so are you. And that was my first Valentine's note. And now the day looks something like roses are red, violets are blue. You make the world better just by being you. 
So wonderful, audience. I've got some questions uh, from Leonie. Um, <coughs> Leonie saying, I heard from a friend there is a pretty voice to listen to on here. Oh, thank you, Lonnie. Hello, James. I hope you have something really special planned for your Valentine's Day, James. Harper, her last name is like mine. Pretty cool. Oh, Harper, thank you. Righto, we have to go over to a quick break before I introduce you to the amazing Dixie. So over to you, Rebel, for a quick break. Back soon, everyone. Radio Tony. On W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Join Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with your secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Radio Tony on W4WN, your safe space for tough conversations. And welcome back to Radio Tony, everyone. We have uh, the amazing guest today called Dixie Jeffrey, and she is a mum of four. I hope I've got that correct, Dixie. Um, And she tells a wonderful story of living from going from living hell to heaven on earth she's had a traumatic childhood experienced widowhood deep personal failures depression unfaithful spouse divorce anxiety attacks job loss empty nest syndrome a visit to a mental health hospital and an identity crisis after many years of battling intense pain from being mentally and emotionally and spiritually unhealthy. So she specializes now after all of that trauma in empowering people to discover that they have everything they need to have a beautiful life if that's what they truly want. So she has conquered so much in her life and I feel so privileged to be talking to her on the radio today. So good morning, Dixie. Well, hello, Tony. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and talk with you. I feel really privileged to have you on the show. And I know reading through your history that it kind of sounds a lot like my own. And so I know that um, we will have lots to talk about that's in common. So I thought we'd start by uh, just giving our listeners an overview of your life. So do you want to tell us about some of the things that you've managed to triumph over and then I particularly want to talk about mental health and how we treat ourselves. Absolutely yeah so one of the things I have found and just like you mentioned there are so many of us uh, in this world right now that have stories with trauma in them. Uh, You mentioned some of the traumas in my life um, you know came from a a childhood that was, you know, not ideal. A lot of a lot of people come from that. My mom did the best she could, but she was a single mom, uneducated. She had been left with four children, uh, so a lot of times we were neglected. There was abuse that took place and real unhealthy things uh, going on while I was growing up. And then I started my adult life, not really having a lot of 
life skills and tools that would yes. have helped me. Um, yeah. So that definitely created a difficult environment. Um, I got married when I was very young. I was 16. And um, my husband, we had we ended up having two children and then my husband was killed in a car accident. So I was 20 years old. I had two small children trying to figure out what life was about and what I was supposed to do. Yes. Uh, still hadn't really developed a lot of those skills that, you know, that help us to get through life. Um, ended up remarrying. I was married for 17 years and my husband let me know that, you know, he was involved with someone else and was leaving, <sighs> had four teenagers at the time. So it was a really difficult experience, as you can imagine. Um, and then, you know, life just continues as it always does, no matter what uh, is thrown at us. And, you know, my children grew up and they got their own lives, which is what kids are supposed to do. Yeah. Um, but I really found myself lost. I didn't know what my purpose was, why I'm here. You know, as yeah. I went through those difficult events I just mentioned, I had children. I had to pull myself together. I had to get back up. I had to take care yeah. of them. But yeah. I found myself in a situation where I didn't know who I was. I didn't yeah. know, you know, what my purpose in life was. My kids, I felt like, you know, didn't need me. Of course, I know they did, but it wasn't the yeah. same. Yes. Um, so I really struggled with just, you know, why am I here and what is life about? Um, you know, I was in a job that I didn't necessarily love in an environment that I wasn't thriving in. And, you know, there at the day came, I just started praying, God, just let me die, you know, I, and, and I've heard other people since then talk about the fact that I wasn't suicidal, I wasn't considering, you know, taking my own life, I was just at the point that I didn't see any reason to go on living. Um, so I drove myself to a to a hospital, and I said, I need help. Um, so that was really kind of where this whole journey began. Looking back today, I see all of those events as as gifts, as opportunities that I had to see the world differently. Um, and, you know, because of the pain that I experienced at that moment, uh, I really made some changes in my life. Yeah. Uh, you know, and those were the things that, you know, you and I started connecting yes. on. Um, yes. Just because as I started to make those changes, I realized there's so many people out there who don't realize these things. People like me who Correct. have gone through their life just thinking, this is just how it is. And you're this just going to live like this. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. You get so downtrodden by what life has handed you that it becomes your reality. And you don't actually realize that it doesn't have to be that way until somewhere down the track and yeah. it sounds Dixie very much like my own story where it wasn't until you actually can like take a breath in life that you suddenly start to look at life and see things in a different light um, but it takes a long time um, for most of us doesn't it yeah oh yes I you know, and I think one of the reasons, and I know you're passionate about this as well, one of the reasons I do what I do and care like I do is because I believe it shouldn't have to take us so long. Absolutely. You know, had I had I had the information that I have today, you know, 20 years ago, it would have made such a difference had I known yes. some of these skills and tools. So my hope is, you know, in sharing what I'm learning, sharing my journey, that there will be people, you know, that will... Um, be inspired, that will be encouraged, will be empowered to make yes. those changes. Yes, because if 
some, if I had seen the light or I'd known that there was some light or I'd known that there was some help or I'd, it would have made the world of difference to me. Um, I'm like yes. you, Dixie. I'm very grateful for all the experiences that I've been through because they've led to being the person that I am with a high level of empathy and understanding for others in struggle and trauma. Um, I'm thinking about um, the mental health issues that you talk about. And I'm wondering, Dixie, for you, did you think that your depression and anxiety uh, started earlier in life or were they a result of the ongoing trauma in your life? Well, I would say the the depression, the anxiety, those different kind of um, things, you know, I think I've always experienced those even when I was young. Um, yes. uh, you know, I remember not knowing how to deal with some of the things that were happening. Yeah. I, you know, kind of vividly remember myself as a little girl, just yeah. grabbing two handfuls of hair and pulling as hard as I could. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to respond yes. to what was happening. Mm -hmm. Um to me, the trauma events and the sadness or depression that followed those was um, was an appropriate response. Yes, it, you know when you know when someone dies, it's appropriate to be sad. Exactly. When you get divorced, it's appropriate to be sad. It is. But on the days when you know it's just a regular day, to have those heavy feelings in your heart or in your soul, um, you know those aren't normal. Those aren't appropriate. Correct. There, mm -hmm. there should be some reprieve, you know, in the yes. midst of, of what's happening. So I think that's when I really started realizing this isn't right. But instead of feeling like this, what I'm experiencing isn't right, I felt like I wasn't right. Yes. I think that was my biggest, uh, you know, the biggest thing I want the world to know is it's not you. You're not defective. You're not, you know, broken. Oh, I agree, Dixie. Uh, for the longest time, I thought... I was bad. I thought yeah. I was wrong. But yeah. it's, it's not that. Uh, depression is that ongoing feeling of sadness and heaviness without reprieve, and that's not normal. So yes. everyday people go through horrible things and they experience down times, but then life goes on and, and they return to normal. For you and I, that depression was just a daily feeling of deep dark sadness and and horribleness um yeah. is how I would describe it yeah yeah so what was the first major tipping point for you in thinking about I need to do something about my mental health um, well, really, the first thing was when I went to the mental hospital, you know, and, and probably yes. like you, I had tried everything. I had gone yes. to counseling. I had tried antidepressants. I had yeah. tried positive thinking. I'm going to, you know, pull myself up by my bootstraps. I was, yes. you know, I had tried everything. And, and to me, this was kind of a last resort. Like, I am desperate. I need help. And I went to this hospital, and they stuck me in a room by myself. Well, there was a stranger there in another bed. But, you know, I was just there. And I kept thinking, this is not what I need. Uh, you know, yeah. to, my thoughts are what my problem is. And you're putting yeah. me here where all I have is my thoughts. Um, so that was kind of the first, like, okay, th they can't, you know, the answer is not here. Um yes. And then once I had checked myself in, of course, they have to monitor you and all those kind of yeah. things. And 
Um, and I, you know, I was walking up and down a hall one day and, and, you know, I, I feel like I was very, my senses were very heightened because I was so broken. Yeah. So, you know, yes. brokenhearted. And, um, I was watching the different nurses, you know, they're working like 10 and 12 hour days. Uh-huh. I would watch these doctors come in and they're spread so thin. Um, and I, and I just realized like there are people just like me that, yeah. you know, for some reason they're not you know, breaking down like I was, but they're just people like me. They're not, you know, superheroes mm-hmm. that have all the answers or anything like that. So that was kind of the first few things. Um, I was also one day just walking up and down the hall because, you know, of course, being in a hospital is, is not yeah. very fun, especially when you're just stuck with your own thoughts. Yeah. And one of the gentlemen that was there, um, he comes in and helps um, do, you know, like to try to get people out of their rooms and things like that. And, um, he just asked me how I was doing and, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. And then, and then he said, you know, to me, this place just means something needs to change. Like if you're in this place, something needs to change. And it was kind of like the light bulb came on, you know, like I had been looking for the answer outside of myself thinking something's Uh wrong with me. So somebody has the answer. Uh And I think when I, when I'm looking, you know, to the doctors, I'm looking to the antidepressants, I'm looking Mm -hmm. in all these places and not Mm -hmm. finding the answer it was really, you know, kind of that conversation where he said, you know, this, this to me means something needs to change that I realized, oh, maybe the answer is not out there. Maybe I need to start looking for it in myself. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And then the hard work begins. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Because for those of our listeners that are listening, um, working on yourself is the hardest work that you have to do but it's so it brings such joyfulness and it brings with it so many good things if you just have the courage to start so Dixie what did you start with in healing your own mental health well um I do just want to add to what you just said Um, Uh I think, you know, there are things in life that are hard, Um, you know, physical work can be very hard, Um, you know, different things like that can be very hard. What I have found is that it's not so much that my mental health has been hard, like it's difficult like that, Yes, but it has been something that had to be intentional. And I think that was really the biggest change for me was um, being intentional about the way I was treating myself being intentional about the thoughts I was keeping. um, Those were really the biggest changes. So I just wanted to add that, like, you know, sometimes when we say to people, this is going to be really hard, you know, we tend to think, well, I'm not going to do it then if it's really hard. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't find it as hard as, as much as I just have to be intentional. I, you know, I have to do this on purpose rather than just kind of randomly letting it happen automatically. Great. But then to answer your question, some of the things that I started doing right away, um, and I, you know, I've learned over the last year and a half or so that um, a lot of this, I believe, was divine. You know, like there were certain things that that I just knew that I needed to start doing, and I didn't know why. But later, I found out. Did them anyway. Yes. Yes. So one of those things um, was I started reaching out, like uh, you know, give me some information. I started YouTubing. what do you do about depression, different things like that. Um, and so for me, I started practicing different patterns. So mm-hmm. each day I would pay it. I would start paying attention to the thoughts that I had. 
Yes. Just being aware of them really put some light on me. Like I didn't even realize the thoughts that were going through my mind prior to this. Once I started paying attention, I realized, yeah. man, I am really brutal to myself. Yes. Um, you know, pointing out every flaw that I had, you know, physically, uh, every um, mistake that I made would be relived over and over in my mind. So I just became aware of that. Um, I did start reading a lot of books that were very helpful. Um, Byron Katie has a book that's called Loving What Is. That one was very helpful. Um, there's another one, and I still read it almost daily. It's called As a Man Thinketh. Um, As a Man. So I started yeah, as a man thinketh, it's by James Allen. It's a little tiny book, yeah, written back in like 1903. Um, yeah. And and you know, each of these different things just started kind of giving me a different perspective on the thought process and the fact that you know, I, I know one of the kind of instrumental things for me was learning that thoughts are not me and that they're not mine. Yeah. So, you know, I would go out throughout the day and I would think, oh, you're so dumb or I can't believe you did that yes. or you're really ugly or you, you look at these, yes. wrinkles, you know, like these thoughts would come and I would just think, you know, originally before this experience, I would think, what is wrong with me? Why? Why am I doing this? And once I realized like thoughts are just everywhere, they're not they are. mine. And you have you know, control over those thoughts. Yeah. You have the control. Well, and, and I think that's one of the things that was difficult for me because I would hear things like that. I would hear things like, if you want to, you can change this and take control yeah. of your thoughts and take control yeah. of how you feel and things like that. And honestly, I didn't know how. So yeah, for me, it was like realizing, okay, these thoughts are not mine. And then I started just kind of being aware, just almost like kind of standing back and just observing the thoughts that were going on. Um, and then And then that's when I started kind of making connections like why would that thought you know why would I keep that one yeah. when a really good thought you know somebody says you're pretty or somebody you know would make a comment I didn't keep those it was kind of yes. like they bounced off so mm -hmm. I started learning a lot about our processes and how it's almost like when we're children we are these empty slates and then we get programmed and we're not empty slates when we're children I don't mean to say it that way no. but um, <laughs> but it is like we get programmed you know as we we're children yes and so those programs kind of help determine which thoughts we keep and which thoughts we get rid of mm -hmm. so to go back and say all right you know if my programming is not right then that really means I just can't function on autopilot Yes. Um, and I don't know if that makes sense, but it does. It comes you know. back to your earlier discussion about being intentional or yes. adding intention to what you do, uh, taking the time to think about what you're thinking about, essentially. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, Dixie, Kendall has a question Where can we find the answers? I'm going to let you answer that, Dixie. Okay. I absolutely love that question. And it's great. This thank is, you, Kendall. This may, yes. Thank you so much. This may sound a little bit kooky to some people, but I truly honestly believe with everything in me that your answers are inside of you. Correct. And I would absolutely yes. agree. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Because I think what I was doing my whole life was looking for somebody who had the answers, looking for uh -huh. the answers outside of myself. And what I've discovered is that you know, we are each designed unique. We we are unique on purpose. And 
Absolutely. What works for me may not work for you. What yes. someone else has done may not. Now, I think it's great to get different ideas. What did you do? How did you do that? You know, get some yes. suggestions and ideas and try them. But um, kind of like Tony just mentioned, uh, I think was profound, is that to just be still with yourself, to take the time to pay attention to your thoughts, to determine, you know, what do I want to be thinking about? Just different things like that. And trusting your soul, trusting your heart, trusting those answers that come from within you. um, I think that's where the answers really are. Learning to do that was definitely a process for me. Um, Because it doesn't, I'm not sure about you, Dixie, but that didn't come naturally for me either. I had to learn to be still and look inside myself. Yes. Yes, and and I, I absolutely agree. It it definitely took practice. It took time for me to um, to learn that. And what, a few of the things I learned that I thought were just really profound was, you know, to start setting some practices up every day. Yes. So a few of the things that I do, and like I said, if this doesn't work for you, don't feel like you know that's you wrong because you know yeah. find your own. Yes, but a few of the things that I did was every day. I would wake up and I would think of three things that I was grateful that I had in my life or things that I, you know, that I valued. Maybe I didn't have as much as I wanted, but things that I valued, things like peace. I would say, you know, thank you for peace. And I would picture myself like inviting those things into my life. And just, you know, I would say out loud, thank you for peace. And what does peace mean to me? It means I'm not in this turmoil all the time or you know, I would just, I verbalize it. I say it right out loud. Yes. Um, and then, um, you know, I would pick three of those things. Sometimes it was joy. Sometimes it's sunshine. Sometimes it yes. was, you know, the fact that I can see or that I can hear different things like that. Or I would just think of three things every day that I was grateful for. Um, another thing I started doing was smiling. I yes. realized that I didn't smile very often. And and again, that's one of those things that I thought, I'm going to do this and I'm going to practice doing this. Um, it didn't come naturally to me. So I, you know, I had to be oh mindful. Oh my God, did you? <laughs> I'm did just, you so some of you listeners might realize that I was I was born with a facial defect. So uh, my the left side of my face, I, I have essentially a crooked smile that looks like someone who's had a stroke. And when Dixie's saying learning to smile, that was one of the things I had to do. I had to stand in front of the mirror and smile and go, mm-hmm. my smile is uniquely beautiful. And yeah. even now I still, and that's why I struggle with doing things like Facebook Lives and videos, but as I continue to make myself do those things and smile at myself, it creates something within our soul that is healing, helpful, and changes your reality. Would you agree, Dixie? Absolutely. I had no idea. I literally just had the thought, that's why I say, you know, I don't know if it's divine, I don't know how you describe that, but it really was just the thought of, I need to smile more. And one of the things I would really love for people to hear if they are, you know, are relating with the depression part of it is that any of these changes that you make are practice. And I know when I first start, you know, I don't know how many of you have made this decision of like, I'm never going to do that again. And then you, you know, you end up doing it again or you say, okay, I'm going to start exercising every day. And then you stop doing it. Yeah. Um, 
anything that you learn that is new, whether it's playing the guitar, playing a piano, learning another language, anything that you're learning that's new. I mean, even email, we got a different email system at work and, and I had to learn how to do that. It takes practice. So one of the things I really want people to understand is anything that you think of that, you know, I want to start doing that. Maybe it's smiling more. Give yourself that um, grace to say, I'm going to practice this. And if you only do it once in a day, celebrate it. I did it once today. I intentionally did it once. Yay. Um, Yes, exactly. And then, you know, as you continue, if you say, man, I didn't smile at all today, remind yourself, I'm practicing I'm practicing. It's not something that you just decide and then it happens. It's really something that you have to practice every day. Um, You know, and so those were some of the things, you know, the practicing gratitude, practicing smiling. And I would literally like I would be driving to work and I would think smile and and I would just smile um, even in my car for no reason. But you, it just does something to you, like Tony mentioned, just um, amazing. It it makes you, you know, it kind of lifts your spirits. Another thing I would really love for people to know is that any given day, any given time, there are negative things happening in this world. People are dying. People are getting killed. There's awful things happening in this world all the time. But at the exact same time, there are amazing things happening. There are babies being born. There are people getting married. There are, you know, beautiful, amazing things happening. And what you'll find is that if you can um, practice turning your focus, you will start to see whatever it is you're looking at the most, you're going to see more of. Yes. If you're looking at all the bad things that are happening and that's where your attention is drawn, you're going to see more and more and more of those. Whereas if you're looking you know, for finding what is beautiful in life, what do I appreciate, what is valuable, you will see those and you'll see more and more and more of those. Um, So, you know, just... And and when you start, it's slow and then there'll be a day when you go, oh, wow, that... the people I'm connecting with are beautiful people. Uh, yeah. Joy and happiness are flowing into my life. Yeah. Those things, you'll suddenly realize, oh, wow, that's the change I was looking for. Yes. Yes, and absolutely. I would agree. Dixie, you believe like I do that we have that capacity within all of us. It's not something Dixie, I, Dixie has or I have that you can't have. That that yes. power to change your life is within all of us. Don't yes. you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And I, I think one of the things to add to what you're saying there that I learned that was so empowering was, and it's kind of one of those things, it's like, duh, you know, when you learn yes. it. But yeah. you look at nature, you look at life, and yeah. you see that, you know, even in a, in a weed, in a, you know, a little flower yeah. that's a weed, there's such detail, there's such yeah. purpose. And, mm-hmm. you know, like everything, ha- everything that, you know, that is going on with that flower, with a tree, with a bird, it's like mm-hmm. they're designed and they function a certain way. And there's detail in all of that. And when I started recognizing that, then I started looking at people 
And I started to see more and more the way our hands work, the way our eyes work, the way our bodies work, the way our minds work. It's all the same. It's like we have so many details and we, we, I think we kind of miss it when we're struggling, when we're unhappy, when we're Correct. depressed. But when you start to see it, then it's like, oh my, we are so amazing. We, yes. like, like you said, like we have this ability, we can learn things, we can think, we can change, we can practice things, we can yes. do all these things. We are so powerful. We just don't realize it a lot of yeah. times. Yeah. Um, so that, to me, that was just a really huge empowering realization yeah the realization that you have the power to choose the power to change and the power to make your life as beautiful as you want it to be and for everyone listening that doesn't mean you have to be an oprah or a tony robbins or like that just may mean you go about your everyday life with happiness and joy and just being that unique person impacts on other people because they see you just going about your life being happy and that makes someone else happy you don't I don't think we understand as humans how connected we are and how connected we are about everything that we do and so you being miserable impacts so many people around you um, just as being happy and leading a happy life impacts so many people around you and you may not think that you're doing much but believe me it all adds up doesn't it Dixie Oh, absolutely. And and I do want to add one thing to what you just said, because that's yes. so profound. So, so absolutely true. Um, I know for me, I had to get past this belief that I didn't even know I had, uh-huh. that I that maybe it was wrong or selfish of me to think of myself. Yes. Whenever, you know, whenever I would take that time and say, I'm going to focus on me, I'm going to be nice to me. There was just yeah. this something inside. And I believe that's where the unhealthy comes from. And like, it's programming. It, it it's really programming. is. And it really well, is. And for me and yeah, probably I, for you, Dixie, that's a childhood programming that you're selfish. Yes. Yes. Because you want to do something nice. Yeah. Yes. For yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very powerful, though, the um, concept of self-love and self-compassion. They are incredibly powerful concepts for us to educate ourselves about and to start living in our lives because once we are self-compassionate and able to show self-empathy and that starts with the way that we talk to ourselves in our head instead of when you tub your toe going oh my god you're so stupid yes it's better to say ow that hurt yes (laughs) i don't think i'll do that again yes yes and and i think the other thing like you mentioned but which i loved your life impacts everyone around you more so than you even realize um and the greatest thing that you can do for the people that you love, the people that you care about, yeah. is to be happy. And one of the things, you know, if you think about it, what do you want for your kids? What do you want for your spouse? What do you want for your mom, your dad? What do you want for those people? You want them to be happy. 
Right. And so really to think of it like, you know, it's not a selfish act. It's yeah. really a gift, not only to yourself, but to the people who love you. And then like you mentioned also, Tony, which I loved, when you are kind to yourself, when that voice inside of you is kind to you instead of beating you up all the time, mm-hmm. um, you are able to give that kindness to the people around you. When you have that voice inside of you always putting you down and then someone makes a comment or someone pulls in front of you or, you know, it's like the ugliness comes out and then we go back, or at least I did, I would go back and beat myself up. You know, I was already feeling bad about myself and then I would react in a way that I didn't like. And then I would go back and beat myself up again. And what I've found is the exact opposite has happened as I am kind to myself then I see myself responding in a way that makes me happy. It makes me proud of who I am. And then I go back and I, I'm kind to myself again. So it's created a, a different pattern, which makes yeah. life so much more beautiful, not just for me, but for anyone, even a stranger on the street that mm-hmm. sees me. You know, now my smile is legitimate. I'm, you know, I'm happy. So I'm glad to see it. In talking about that, for our listeners, if you want to try something that's really fun is walk along the street and smile at strangers. Nine times out of ten, they will give you the most brilliant smile back. Sometimes they'll look at you as if, oh, my God, why is she smiling at me? But yes. try it. It's fun. Yes. Yes. Um, Dixie, Dominic wants to know, is being sad – is being said selfish in that form a bad thing? Ah, oh, okay. So Dominic wants to know, Is uh, are you being selfish by practicing self-love? I would say completely the opposite. Correct. Um, I, I would say completely the opposite of that. I think the most selfish thing, and if you think about selfish as being very focused on yourself, mm-hmm. um, That's what you're doing when you're mentally unhealthy. When you are unhealthy, you're focusing on yourself, but you're focusing on yourself in a very negative way, in a very harmful way. And the reason I use health quite often, I'm sure you've probably seen my my posts and things that I always say healthy. If you're healthy, you're happy because being healthy means that you're free from harm. You're free from pain. You're free from suffering. So if you are suffering, if you are in pain, you are mm-hmm. not healthy. And, no. and, and you know, it, it's kind of a like to me, it was one of those duh moments was, <laughs> you know, if, <laughs> if things are working like they're supposed to, if your arm works like it's supposed to, it doesn't hurt. It only hurts when it's broken. That's right. Yeah, right. Or if it's if it's injured. So it's the same thing with our emotions. When they are not hurt, when there is no damage there, they are good. We feel great. We're happy. It's when yeah. there's damage that there's a problem. So As far as like being selfish to me, I was always focused on myself and I was very, um, now I I would say I was a giving person. I wouldn't say that, you know, I didn't share, but I thought such little, so little of myself um, and treated myself in that way that that was much more selfish than what I do today. Today, I, I feel like because I am happy because my life is working like it was designed to and you know, my arm doesn't hurt, my my heart doesn't hurt, my mind doesn't hurt. Yeah. I can be the person that I've always wanted to be. I can be kind to people. I can, when I see someone, 
um, respond to me like I used to respond to people, my heart hurts for them rather yes. than being angry or rather than yes. lashing back out. Agreed. I I think, oh, I've been there and I'm so sorry that, you know, that your world looks like that, that your, yeah. your lens that you're looking at life through, you know, is so painful. So, yeah, um, yeah I know that's a long answer to your question, but I no, would say that's fine. it's completely so the opposite. I just want to to let the the listeners know that Dixie um, has completely changed her life and she now helps people find that peace in their life. And earlier in the chat box, I put up um, Dixie's Facebook page. So just before we run out of time, Dixie, can you tell our listeners the work that you do now, which is so wonderful, and how they can contact you if they'd like to? Yes. Well, thank you so much. One of the things that I do um, want everyone to know is completely free is every morning when I do my, um, my, my pattern, my ritual, my, um, some people call it meditation. To me, I call it directed thinking. I'm directing my thoughts where I want them to go. Do some very intentional um, thinking into, you know, who I am and what I want to be. And I post to those things that I learn every day for free. I put them on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram. Yep. Yeah. Which I've so got any Dixie's Facebook page up and I'm going to put it up again right oh, now for you. Thank you so much. So on yeah, Facebook one of the things. Dixie Jeffrey. Yes. J-E-F-F-E-R-Y. Yeah. Yes. Um, cause one of the things that I learned was that the more positive that you have coming in, the, the more good, you know, um, then it can kind of flow through you. So yeah. I believe if I can share good, positive thoughts out there in this world, yeah. um, that is one way I can contribute. Um, yeah. I don't need to make a million dollars or, you know, do something elaborate. I can just spread positive, good things. So, um, so those are there, they're free anytime, you know, you're more than welcome to, uh, connect to those. I also do uh, life coaching and would be more than happy to, you know, have a conversation to see if you yeah. think that would be something that would benefit you, um, you know, completely free. Um, I do have the website. I, I know you put that yeah, up there with uh, peacewithincoaching.com. Yes. And then I also have one that's called Dixie Roulette Coaching. Um, uh-huh. um you know, I mentioned that my first husband was killed in a car accident. His last name was Rolette, and I kept his last name um, because I didn't want my kids to have a different last name than me. Yes. So anyway, yes. kind of a long story, but yes. Yeah, so so um, a Dixie Rolette coaching, uh, Peace Within coaching, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Instagram. Um, yeah, any of those ways. Connect I would with Dixie. For any of you, um, any of the listeners listening today, if you feel that you want to connect with Dixie, absolutely. Um, jump onto her Facebook, LinkedIn, or her website. We have completely overrun our time yet again. I'm so good at that this lately. I'm enjoying our conversation so much. Dixie, thank you very much for being on Radio Tony today. Um, The listeners, uh, thanks for listening to Dixie. We're going to go to a short break, and when we return, we're going to talk to the wonderful Kerry Hortrow. Over to you, Rebel. Thank you, Tony. Radio Tony on W4WN, your safe space for tough conversations.
Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl, discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audio formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Available for download now through all good online retailers and in all good bookstores. Tough Conversations on the Social and Moral Issues of Our Time with Tony Lontis. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia, Radio Tony on W4WN. And welcome back to Radio Tony. You're listening to Tony Lontis and we have Kerry Hortrow live on the show today. Good morning, Kerry. Good morning, Tony. How are you? I'm really good. I'm very glad that we have sunshine today. That's my happy feeling for the day, sunshine. Well, it's going to be 38 here today, which is 100.4 in uh, Fahrenheit. So um, I got up early and I opened up the house because it was quite cool, but it's getting hot already and it's only uh, almost 9 o'clock. So in the morning, so we've um, I've closed all the house up. Oh goodness me! So the uh, tropical cyclone Damien, did you guys experience any of those impacts, or did it go mainly inland from you? No, it went inland and headed um, towards the south of the east um, east coast. So yeah. we didn't get any of that at all. And often when the cyclones come through, we usually don't get. Get any oh, of because we're actually um, quite south to compare with yes. the north. So yeah. Western Australia is very large. Um, every now and then we'll get a bit of the rain, but but not much. Western Australia is uh, massive. It's bigger than um, Queensland. So I'm on the east coast. Kerry's on the west coast, and it's a, a big plane drive plane ride to even get from one side of Australia to the other. Um, so, Kerry, tell me, what have you been up to this last week? Oh, this last week I've been um, making a lot of appointments because in my line of business it gets pretty quiet in December and January. Yes. So I've been um, making a lot of appointments and organising a few things. Um, we're going to start doing a lot more workshops, um, getting a few more um, mentoring clients on board. Yes. Yes. Um, and building up and setting out my structure for the year. Yes. So Kerry's business, Brain Thinking, um, is based uh, – you have multiple streams of your business, don't you, Kerry? So do you want to tell our listeners how that's set up? Because Brain Thinking is only part of what you do. You do lots of other really good workshops and things. So um, I was going to get you 
our listeners, get you to tell our listeners how your business is structured and the different streams for you. Yes. So the reason why we come up with brain thinking is our brain never stops thinking. And regardless what industry you're in, we need to make sure that our brain is really geared up to understand and work wherever you are, whether it be radio or um, or speaking or whether you're an accountant or whatever it is, you need to be focused. So there are a couple of aspects to um, parts of the business. One is HBDI practitioner. So it's putting colourful thinking into you, into you and your um, your business. It's a um, it's a tool to help understand your thinking and how you think under pressure. It helps you to make better informed decisions. It also, when we're under pressure, we tend to make a lot of the mistakes and this helps alleviate that. So when you actually make decisions, you can actually look and go, okay, have I actually organised the financial side? Have I got all the analytical side of it right? Have I got this all organised? Um, have I looked at this in a creative way? So how are other people going to see it? And how is this a feeling based? How is this going to affect other people? So when you have it all organized, you actually make a better informed decision that will actually appeal to every thinking style out there. Yeah. So one part. Um, there's another part is um, inspirational speaker or motivational speaker. I speak yeah. on my story of how I lost my husband, but it's what I went through with fighting um, the government, Centrelink, uh, tax department, having to move on with no life insurance and four children, um, yes. and then getting my life slowly back on track and sold everything and had to start again and rebuilt and met a wonderful man in the meantime. And just getting right, then my daughter had a car accident and broke her neck, yes. and that stopped everything again so then having to rebuild our family life again um, so that's one area and the other is um, like a business advocate or a business coach I go in and I'm a fresh set of eyes on that business so it's more in not the policies and procedures but it's more in the practical of the customer service or yes. seeing as how they're operating or seeing how they're working and and when you have a business, you tend to get a little complacent because you're too busy worrying about the everyday um, things that you need to do that we miss the little things. Yeah. So yeah. little for for that is that when you go to a theatre, they don't come out and go, oh, gee, guys, I'm really sorry, but we're really exhausted. We've done 30 in the last 20 days, so we're only going to do half a performance, but we're going to charge you full price. Yes. Yeah. So, in, in our work, we need to be on stage in a performance every day, regardless what's happening at home. You could have screaming kids. You could have, you know, a son or someone, you know, going through a breakdown. doesn't matter what is happening in your life because everyone has something. When you're at work, regardless where it is, you have to be on stage 24-7. Yes. So, so that's... Yeah. Sorry, Kerry, go ahead. <laughs> so with that is that it's helping them to understand and getting their changing their mindset to when they are at work. Physically actually um, doing a scenario is where you when you walk out of your home, you take off imaginary hat and you hang it up on on an imaginary hook. 
And you yeah. literally physically do that. So you get into what happens is that your mind actually thinking, okay, I'm leaving home now. I'm leaving all of my thoughts and everything that's happening here at home at home. You get in yeah. your car and you listen to a podcast or listen to something that actually helps relax you or get you into the mode of what you need to be in for wherever you're going. And then when you get into work, you take that imaginary hat off the imaginary hook and put it on your head. I'm now at work. And by doing that little thing, that little exercise, it makes a difference. And I've had so many people going, oh, my goodness, I find I'm just doing that automatically now, and it yes. works. Yes, yes. I had a wonderful uh, conversation with another girl from Western Australia yesterday. Um, she runs uh, an, an employment um, help getting people back to work and it made me think of you because we had a conversation around customer service and how customer service uh, needs to be delivered delivered in different businesses and how important it was and it reminded me of our previous conversation that you and I've had about the importance of customer service and how it's lacking in a lot of businesses across the world uh, yeah. it, it, today. Um, yes. And customer service is very different from industry to industry, and that's what a lot of people think. You know, um, they'll go, oh, yeah, I was great at my customer service. Yeah, but you were only spending a few seconds to maybe to a minute with them in a, in a retail industry or in like Coles or Woolworths. But when you go to another industry where you need to be with them for a couple of hours, yeah. they find that really hard because they've got to focus for a couple of hours on that person. Yeah. So. It really is um, hard. So the other little part of my um, business that I do is that my background is hairdressing. So yes. I mentor young girls and do um, workshops on letting them know everything about body image. Yes. Love you who you are. If you haven't got the genetics of someone very tall and slim and be a model, don't try and be it because you never will be. Don't look at a lot of the magazines. Yes, there's some great content in them, but don't try and be who they are. So with this is that that I have found there are now young girls that are now married and having their own children that yeah. they have said that was the best information they ever had. So there's the four little parts of my business. So, listeners, we um, I've put up Kerry's um, wonderful website called brainthinking.com.au um, and that's the best way you can contact with Kerry. But she's also on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, her Facebook page is Brain Thinking and uh, she's on LinkedIn as Kerry Hortrow. Drop her a message if you're interested in any of her programs or just want to chat. She is a wealth of business and personal information, particularly around recovering from the death of a spouse, wills and that sort of thing. So, Kerry, thank you so much for jumping on uh, the show this morning. I really appreciate your time. I know that you're busy and I appreciate you being on the show with me week in, week out, well, most week in, week out. So thank you so much, Kerry. That's my pleasure, Tony. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Now, listeners, we have the fabulous Wendy Harper from the Agency of Women. And just to tell you a little bit about what Wendy does before I introduce her live on air, 
Wendy is uh, Wendy produces targeted, award-winning level real-life movie projects, specifically designed to meet the collaborative needs of masters of their craft, passionate about elevating their legacy into masterpiece projects for making a difference in the world. Um, and she wants to help women in particular make a difference and by applying inspirational influence through movie production. And so I'd like to get Wendy on now to talk about her latest production, The Agency of Women. Welcome to Radio Tony, Wendy. Hello, Tony. How are you going? I'm good. I'm so excited to have you on the show finally. I've got questions coming in already and Pearl wants to know, what is the Agency for Women? It's the Agency of Women and yes. it's a bit of a it's a bit of a double entendre and it's been the culmination of a life work for me. So um, it's really looking it's really a, a project that supports both the power as in the Agency of Women in the World, but also um, it's looking at the setting up platforms to support the agency of women making a difference in the world. So it's going to act as an agency to support the agency. So within that, there's a whole range of projects that are in the pipeline. And the first one is because if I just go back a bit, you know, you mentioned about the real life movie projects. So yeah. I, I use the construct of movie making as a tool for um, being able to engage with life in in a way that's completely growthful. And one of the things about movie making is that, you know, my old dad was was a was a pessimist, and uh, you know, he anything magical that could possibly happen in life, he would just turn around and say, "It only happens in the movies." Uh-huh. So. So when we look at what happens in the movies, the movies are what's scripted into movies and the magic of the movies is all of these phenomenal experiences and happenings. You know, like the train pulls up at the station, two trains pull up at a station and, and two people get off different trains and they look across the platform and their eyes meet and they realize this was the love of their life from, you know, 20 years ago. You know, or the hero is chasing the bad guy in order to catch him. He's got to jump from a rooftop onto a train that takes him through, you know, like all of these things are just there lined up like like magic. Well, one of the things about constructive um, movie making is that we can apply the same principles that, you know, you know, another word for that magic, if we look at how it's expressed um, in the world, you know, it can be seen as like words used as serendipity or um, providence or, you know, more recently, synchronicity. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, there are these experiences that people have that just go, wow, what are the odds of that happening? happening. And because those experiences are so fleeting, it's hard to see, you know, for example, if one of those experiences occurred at a certain place in a certain time under certain conditions, we might try and set all that up again, but we're not going to have that phenomenal thing happen. 
you know, it doesn't repeat it like lightning. It just doesn't yes. seem to hit in the same spot twice, you know, although sometimes it does. But um, <laughs> Well, in the movies it probably can, can't it? Yeah, but I think in real life, I mean, I know there's a few people who have been hit by, <laughs> by lightning. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, notwithstanding exceptions to the rule, but, gen- but generally speaking. So, um, you know, when we look at all of us want more phenomenal experiences, you in know, life. like if in life and when we look at, you know, the world could be going down the tubes and for all intents and purposes, that's what it kind of looks like at the moment. But no one's really <laughs> going to miss out on their on their ski holiday in Japan, you know what I mean? Yeah. Why? Because ski holidays in Japan are really quite phenomenal, you know. So yeah. everybody's looking for that level of experience in life that um, – that opens up a new a new space inside that's exhilarating and thrilling. So people want phenomenal, you know, food or phenomenal sex or phenomenal businesses or, you know, you can just go on and on and on. It's probably the biggest driver in the planet. And we look at, you know, self-interest. Nothing happens in the world that isn't self-interest. So even a martyr is... Is, is being the martyr because on a self-interested basis, they're getting a benefit from that that's important to them. So when we look at the, the importance of acknowledging self-interest not as a bad thing, but in actual fact self-interest is something that we all, you know, if we had to put, put our hands up in the room, you know, who's, who's motivated by self-interest, well, the whole room's hands, like there'd be hands up right through the room if everybody was being completely honest about it. So the, although we may not necessarily understand what the self-interest is when we look at the circumstances of our life, it is possible to sit back and evaluate things in that way. And um, so anyway, you know, there's a lot of diversions here I could go back and into, yeah, but yeah. trying to keep it simple, you know, um, yeah, when, we, um, when, we, when we look at um, these real-life movie productions, it's it's about how do we connect, for me, you know, for, for my, um, you know, what's most important to me is building a single global movement for peace and sustainability in the world. And that is the simple description of what, agency of women is about it's about a movement of essentially empowering women and so I've got people asking you're definitely a filmmaker and you definitely make movies I'm correct hey yeah I do I make them but to build them to produce them I write real life movie scripts so for the last film phenomenality um, which won awards all around the world. It's a spectacular little short film. But, you know, the real-life movie script for that production was to make an award-winning level of film with masters of their craft from all around the world with absolutely no budget and yeah. then film and record the backstory of all the amazing things that would have to happen if that film was to get up and win awards, which yeah. it did. So here that it's little film... Goosebumps. Yeah, that little film demonstrates this mechanism that I'm talking about in terms of how we can um, use this construct of movie making overlaid on our lives. And when we look at if yeah. we're, you know, if we if 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 we're living a script at the moment that we're not 100% happy with, then we can literally re- rewrite the script. Rewrite the script. Yeah. And so 
using and because I was running immersive um, experiences for people using that construct all around the world as a tool for yes. um, creating more integrated uh, states and moving through you know you've had a lot of conversation this morning about trauma um that there's a way of um you know for a lot of the trauma stuff you know it's been based in a a pathological view of the human condition and really when we you know from where i sit and with the big story arc that i'm doing is i like to connect like what's happening on a personal level to what's happening on a global level or a species level and and that the same rules apply to individuals as they do to the whole species of human beings working as one organism you know we are all part of and we all share the same generic facilities and structures and arms and legs and growth phases and cycles as every other human mm-hmm. being on the planet so we you know and and you know we're going to bounce around here i hope you don't mind i hope your listeners that's, don't mind but no that's but, fine but the exciting the exciting thing for me is that you know to be born like because i was a home birth midwife you know so yes. i you know, my background's in health and medicine. I was a home birth midwife. I started the, I'm the birth mother of the doula movement, the international doula movement. And um, so my experience with birthing, you know, it. Which is a powerful thing in its own it's, right. Yeah, it's a powerful thing, but it also, to be born is a traumatic experience, no matter which <laughs> way you look at it. And even babies who are born by cesarean section, people might think, oh, they had a bit of a free ride. Yeah, but no. But in, in actual fact, you know, there's there's traumas associated long-term with cesarean sections too. So I think the passage into life is a um, – is even if we had an easy ride through childhood, which I certainly different didn't, and I'm sure a lot of your, your listeners didn't have easy rides either, but, you know, just the process of being born is we are we all experience, in a sense, being born is a life-threatening experience to begin with. Yes, it is. And the fuel that we pick up in childhood from the experiences that are then built on top of that, let alone yes. the epigenetic inherited experiences of oh, trauma yes. that come down through our gen- uh, our family lines, you know, that we... Let's just, let's just grab that for a moment because yep. some of our listeners not might... Epigenetics is relatively new uh, concept for lots of people and yeah. epigenetics um, is the concept that trauma is passed down through generations via our DNA. Um, so, Wendy... So, it's to that, do with, with gene expression. So Yes. So, whilst it doesn't change our, um, our genetic uh, blueprint as individuals, it, what it does is it, it affects the gene expression. So, for example, you know some genes are switched on and switched off as a result of of these of these uh, emotional emotionally connected experience that is up that are uh, experienced by a parent or a grandparent or deeper down passed through into the progeny and future generations and so when we're looking at trauma you know some of us go geez you know like I don't, I'm experiencing a level of feeling like traumatized or wounded and hurt, 
But when I look at my life situation, it doesn't necessarily feel like it could all come from that. You know, I think what what we can also... It's it's about something that happened to great-grandma who passed to grandma, who passed to your mum, who passed to you. And it's a demonstrated, real, uh, scientifically proved construct. Absolutely. It's not a construct. It's it's a, it's it's a physiological. It, it's a, it's a science based, science evidenced physiological impact that yes. is being d- d- uh, studied through long term studies and post World War Two studies, especially yes. long term studies of um, post war kids in in um, the Netherlands in Holland. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, it, it's very exciting because you know, f- for for me, you know, I've whilst I, you know, grew up in a lot of family violence, there was also, like, things going on in my mind that really seemed to come from somewhere else. And, yes. you know, it was now we have language for it. Now we have all this fantastic um, progress in neurological, you know, um, uh, brain science and studies and neuroplasticity and epigenetic. I mean, it's just fabulous because now it takes it out of the realm of, you know, having to put it down to some... Um, philosophical viewpoint or some anecdotal experience that people in the past a doctor might say well you know maybe you're a bit you you should go and see someone you know get some medicine some medication Um, you know there's now a whole empowering way to put ourselves in the position of, of of being able to engage in our own healing and this is just going back to this birth trauma thing yes because when we when we go through childhood, we have our environment, our, our nurture experience. Yes. And within that, there's all sorts of dynamics that compound and, you know, the way we deal with that is very individual, but usually some of us and most of us will pick up a whole bundle of stuff which is reactive, yes. you know, and, and, and it's like, you know, I remember thoughts, well, I'm never going to do this to my kids when I grow up, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so we can kind of like go into into early adulthood doing a lot of opposite behaviours to the ones that, you know, but then we have our kids and realise that, you know, it that also had a compounding effect that we yes. didn't anticipate. Just doing the opposite isn't uh, necessarily going to make us a better parent for the child, for our children. But um, but in the I see that fuel in childhood is like the that reactive fuel is like is like the rocket fuel that we need to have to launch ourselves out of the nest and into life. Yes. And there's a certain, you know, some of us get lots of that rocket fuel and some of us don't get quite as much, but if we're born, we have at least a little bit of it. Yeah. And and we it, that rocket fuel into life sets us on a path and it almost doesn't, it's like one of those, a spinning cannon, you know, and you're the cannonball. And at the moment where you launch yourself into life, where you really don't know where you're going to fly off into, but you're going to land somewhere. And from there, starting to go on that journey to find out who we are, who we truly are versus who we've learned or understood ourselves to be within the context of where we came from and our family environment so we're going on this this quest to discover who we truly are and in order to to 
bring that journey together, you know, like I often think when we look back at the end of our lives, what sort of life would we like to have lived? And whatever Mm -hmm. that story is, looking back, that's our destination. That's the best destination we could sit with to go for. So that's the end of our movie. And so on the journey of that movie in our lifetime, to bring the story together in the same way that someone lives a lifetime and they write a memoir, they really have to sit back and be able to put all those pieces together that they maybe couldn't have done any earlier. Because in retrospect, everything makes sense in retrospect. It may not make any sense at the moment, but it will all make sense. Always makes sense. In retrospect. Yeah. Yeah. And so along the way, we can be doing a, uh, a lot of work to use all of our life experience as an integrative experience, bringing all of those dissociated parts of ourselves that may have got wounded or traumatized or an epigenetically you know, effects coming through um, to be able to um, re-inter- use our life experience and yeah. use the projects that we're taking on. In fact, I don't take on any projects for the result. The yes. only the only reason why I take a project on is because if I'm doing something I've never done before, it opens up a space for my process to emerge through which any old traumas or blocks or barriers or negative self-talk will emerge in that space as an opportunity for me to complete um, the healing on those parts. Yeah. So, so in actual fact, if we look at taking on doing something new, for example, we're absolutely guaranteed our past is going to come up and smack us in the face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a wet fish, yep. you know, yep. going. And, you know, it tells us exactly where to look. So, you know, if I've got, you know, a, a thought that comes up to say, shit, I'm sorry, maybe I should have swear, <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, a bit of, maybe I'm a bit off more than I can chew committing myself to this, you know, and I don't yep. know whether, how am I going to do this? Well, that has a whole lot of emotions attached to it, yeah. you know, feeling insecure or anxious or whatever. But I understand, actually, I took this project on in order to feel and find where is it within inside me that there's another little room with another little cachet of those old feelings that I can bring out and acknowledge and reintegrate and with love back yeah. into myself. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Wendy, Missy wants to know, do people submit scripts to you once we've answered that i want to explore how you got into this movie making role so missy yeah how do you submit how do people submit scripts to you do you look for them or do people send them to you um missy the i haven't explained it very clearly so i'm (laughs) um missy that so i i produce real life movie projects that have a film element to them so The Agency of Women is actually uh, going to be a short film, about a 12-minute film, that is a completely immersive, uh, like it's going to be like a trip through the transformation tube. It's going to um, be an experience that can, uh, like a plug-in-and-play experience using um, all of the exciting new developments in computer animation to, to provide an immersive experience for women to be able to watch that film and go on a journey of understanding how important 
their agency in the world is for the future of peace and sustainability. And by the end of that two minutes, they've got everything they need to know about that in order to pick up their license to go out in the world and to express their agency in the world in their own unique way. So there's so many people around the world who want to make a difference and be part of making a difference. It's almost like what happened over this Christmas period is like the perfect storm between the yes. fires in Australia and, yes. you know, all that shenanigans with Iran, you know, so we have got peace and sustainability right up in the foreground at the same time. And the whole world, I feel, has come to the conclusion that there is nothing more important now than to find a way to bring a peaceful, mm. sustainable future together. And mm -hmm. this has been like I've been incubating the Agency of Women for you know, quite a while now, and this was my launch time, and it's like this perfect storm of things yes. has arisen to kind of ramp the volume up for people to go, yeah, like I need to do something. And the agency of women is is a little bit, I play with it a bit, you know, to build this production, it, it it's about collaboration. I know yes. that if we build, um, you know, the, the peace and sustain, the, the whole issue about peace and sustainability isn't a, isn't a resource issue, it's a human resource issue. Yes. It's more specifically a human neurological resource issue. And we need to build, it, the only way we can increase the amount of peace and sustainability in the world is if individually we're all increasing our capacity for cooperative and collaborative behaviours. So yeah. I build projects that provide opportunities for people to participate in, in the in a level of risk-taking for project, i.e. they seem impossible. Nothing seems more impossible to me in the world than creating a future for peace and sustainability. So that's the biggest high-risk thing I could possibly be going for right now. Yeah. And and because we don't know how, how it's possible to make it happen, but we're willing to go on the quest to find out, then the people who are engaging as, and I'm calling them special agents, you know, and when, when the young women ask me, well, well, what, you know, what is a special agent, you know, and I say, well, think men in black, only women, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this, it's this amazing, fantastic adventure where we form these incredibly powerful collaborations on mission impossible kind of tasks, yes. but we're working, you know, my, my core team, like if you can get Kate Blanchett or um, who's the Scottish guy that plays um, James Bond, what's his name, you know who oh. I mean? I can see his face. And Sean I Connery, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. If, if you're gonna, if you want to get funding to produce a movie, well, you got to. If you can get your star cast like Kate Blanchett loving the script, and she says yes, then it's easy to get the money. It's easy to get the people to come on Correct. board that film. So I work with masters of their craft. These are people who are operating at their highest level of craftsmanship in their art, and um, and so. It provides everybody, and though masters of their craft are people who have already gone through all the commitment testing stuff you need to go through, their next level of work is their best level of work always, whether they're getting paid for it or not paid for it. doesn't yes. matter. Yes. And what that provides is that we are aiming for, like, Academy Award winning or award winning levels of productions so yes. all of those masters are happy to work with one another because they know each person is at that same standard and level, but it also provides all of the special agents, right, who are the, who are the 
the women who and and men we've got lots of men as well yes. who are contributing to the 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 this production and yes. being part of the production team because it provides everybody with an opportunity to choose a role and take it on and run with that ball and in the process of doing that they're learning and growing these capacities for cooperative and collaborative behaviours. Now, that's just for the production, to get that production up and running, which will be like the branding sell tool for the whole project. But yes. this little 12-minute film of such high calibre will go into art galleries. It'll be plug-in and play at festivals. At, yes. Obviously, it can go to movie cinemas um, and rock concerts, you know, anywhere that there's big mass groups of people gathered it's something that is freely available it'll be a plug-in and play and it'll turn and switch on the lights of everybody there to realize that their agency the world cannot do without the difference they can make yes now yes and and to pick up their licenses and find a project that they can commit to this is not like people joining the agency of women our role is to support the agency of women the power of women we had this incredible resource available to us, like, you know, a big bank in the sky, like a big resource bank kind of in the sky, right, in the cloud well, we, that we need to draw down on now. This resource of women is something that is it, – it, its time has come in the world. And, you know, the, the agency of women to affect this level of change and if we – if we are building our cooperative and collaborative skills, we're also going back to neurology, building a, a combination of neurology which is very rarely practised, and that is the, the more what happened on phenomenality, the, the film production, was that, you know, the, the script told the story. We needed amazing things to happen if that script was going to come together. Yes. If that film was going to come together, if we're going to get up and win awards, which we did. I mean, I could rattle off all the extraordinary things that happened on that production, how different cameramen turned. I mean, we shot on Red Dragon 6K camera. I mean, they're the, you know, and we needed three of them, you know, like. Yes. And we're not paying anyone. Why are people yes. wanting to contribute their time? Because they want to make a contribution. They want to be part of something that's can make a difference. Now, a film isn't going to make the difference, but what's going to make the difference is the development of this neurology where we combine the practice of the pursuit of, of, of the phenomenal experience, that's the pursuit of self-interest, and we combine that with projects that make a difference. And if people are committing to projects that make a difference, and it doesn't matter what level of difference, it's just any level of risk. Yes. Anything that's new for anyone is a risk. So it's not about bigger than Ben-Hur. It's about everybody doing something at their next level of risk. And yes. in working with other people to achieve something that might seem impossible, we're relying on the extraordinary generosity within our human system to, to help and support what we're doing. So the the... The powerful way that I'm doing it with these productions is because it's happening at a level where people already have that faith in their ability to um, perform at a level of commitment, like it's an elite level, like if you're going to the Olympics or, yes. you know what I mean, it, it's, it's 
people have gone through the grades in their training to know where they're, if they make a commitment to something, then nothing's going to stop them. Yeah. You know, from when we're doing that together with other people in order to develop cooperative and collaborative resource together, then we, we are actually developing a neurological resource that doesn't generally come together. Now, we've got yeah. very deeply embedded survival mechanisms that override everything when it comes to the crunch. I think yeah. the reason why we're at, at we, peace and sustainability has been sitting at a level where our faces have, for it have been squashed up against that glass ceiling, you know, is because we just, we don't have the neurological capacity we don't haven't developed the networks for cooperative and collaborative behaviour that would provide an al alternative strong enough to override our survival instincts. Well, we don't yes. have to worry that about that response. now. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that now because the whole human species knows we're up that creek without a paddle. And if yes. we don't all pull together now, there will be no human species. And so this is like the moment in time where we can actually fully utilise our our deeply embedded survival um, uh, neurology, knowing that if our, that the only way we're going to survive now is through cooperative and collaborative behaviours, because hitting each yes. other over our head is not going yes. to get us. So, so now we can fully utilise the resource of our deep, ancient, human uh, embedded the, and the power of that. The, like the the strength and power of all of what our ancestors went through so that we could be yes. here yes. we can we now have access to all of that resource but we can funnel it now into cooperative and collaborative behaviors because that's our that is in fact the only way we are going to survive on this planet yeah. and have a planet to live on so yeah. it's like i said this christmas period has been like a perfect storm of of kind of bringing this whole conversation together. If I tried to have this conversation last year, it wouldn't have been as relevant as yes. what it is now. And um, so whilst it's, it's now very become urgent, there's a sense of urgency, yeah. isn't yeah. there, Wendy? Yes, and and, so, and and so many people are looking for how can I play a role? Well, for me, the agency of women is like a badge. You know what I mean? It's like yes. it's it's where women are joining together in collaboration and consolidation to change the world to work as one you know yes. it's 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 like a star trek badge you know you get yes. something that you can wear to say you know i'm part of this this working as one movement you know and i i'm doing it in my own way it's not about um, uniformity it's about unity you know i have yes. my difference to make i've got my own neurology i'm looking for how i truly find myself and who i am and and my authenticity in myself and i can do that through these projects that make a difference because yeah. in order to have cooperation and collaboration you have to have you have to be able to have trust not just within yourself but with other people yes. and in order to have that trust you need to have honesty you know and in order which we've when been lacking and, we're, and in order to have honesty, like like what honesty and trust brings us is safety. Well, if we want more love in the world, obviously we need to create um, connections and relationships where there's a much bigger, safer space for us all to be able to share and grow more love in the world. Yeah. So when we look at fear and division, well, 
you know, fear and division is based on mistrust. And that mistrust is, is, is because, you know, people don't feel like they can be honest with one another. And if they're not yeah. being honest with one another, they're not going to feel safe. They're going to be afraid. Yeah. So we can, we can see how those on that, that's a single spectrum of from, from one end of the rainbow to the other of where we can sit in yes. order to have really it's all about love. You know, love's, you know, a four-letter word. You're not allowed to say that, you know, it, it, it looks like it weakens, you know, an argument for why we should be doing these things. But in actual fact, that's why we're all doing everything we're doing. Yes. But how do we create more of that in the world? Well, through cooperation and collaboration, not only um, like for projects that make a difference, where we're chasing this self-interest of seeing how all things can come together in ways that are just magical. You know, I can tell you a little story from Phenomenality. At the end of the, and I can put the link up to the film at the end of this too. But that would um, be lovely. You know, we decided like we had this twelve-minute film. We, we like we at the end we had a ten-minute film. We thought we, we tossed up whether we'd do a music video at the end. Yes. That yes. meant producing a song, uh, right? Writing a song, doing the music, recording the song, and then making a music video. Now, this is—I've got two weeks to do this. Yes. And so we thought, well, we'll 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 at least entertain the idea and see if we can pull it off because it'd be fabulous if we could pull this off, right? Yes. And so we got a young uh, a young lass who who was uh, doing set design she came over and i have you know a place you know on some land to look at whether we could do the props here to set up that music video and we worked out that there was enough to do and i i said well the, the only hold up is that in order to shoot this music video we need i can't ask the other cameramen who've already done so much to do more yes so i said we need to get another new cameraman uh, director of photography who has got a, a red dragon 6k camera because it all needs to be shot in the same format yes and um and and she turned around and she said oh i've got a friend i think i think he's got one of those <laughs> so uh -huh. she, she's rung this guy up and she said he's a nice guy i'm sure he'll do it if he can so she's rung him up he's organized a meeting he's come over and we're walking around. He said, yeah, I'm really happy to do it. No problems. He's come over to do a recce. We've gone through the whole thing, what we can set up as props. And the last thing I needed, because this was a really kind of 60s psychedelic kind of music video theme to it. And, um, and I said, you know, and I just said in passing to, like we're having this production meeting, and I just said in passing, you know, the only thing I need now is a great big American convertible car, you know, uh -huh. as a Right to have as a prop in the in, in the music video, and he turned around and said, "He said, I've got one of those." Oh he my said, goodness! It's about eighteen foot long, bright red, and as beautiful as as a bunch of roses. He said, oh. and sure enough, he brought his car down. I had another person turn up who had an original caravan from like the 1960s that was all original inside and they brought the caravan. I had a bunch of artists turn up to paint, you know, sets and, and you know, even even for the, for, the, for the documentary part of the film, you know, I thought I had, I knew a family in the neighbourhood who had lots of those little kind of MG sports cars. And so I didn't mm -hmm. worry. I needed a sports car. 
for this particular shot sequence. So I didn't worry about it because I, I knew I had them and I knew that they would loan me one of their little cars. And so I kept knocking on the door, but no one answered. And it was getting really close, like a week before the shoot. And I'm sitting there, finally I've got desperate and I've written a note and I've shoved it under the door. And and I get a phone call, like, you know, a, a day, two days later, like it's like I'm sweating now because, you know, yes. I'm committed, I've got to have this thing. And um, and I had, didn't have any alternatives. And, and so... I got a phone call from this couple's daughter who said, oh, they're away overseas on a long holiday. They're out of touch. And it's like out the window went their MG. And so we rang a mechanic up who um, deals with those kind of, um, what do you call them? Not traditional yeah. cars, but vintage yeah. cars, right? Yeah. It's just special. He's, and I said, you know, I've got a problem. Do you know anyone who's got any of these cars? And he said, oh, he said, actually, I do know a client. He's got about 20 of them sitting in a garage. Oh. And um, and he said, I can't give you his number, but I'll call him and give him yours. Anyway, so this guy rang up and da-da-da-da-da on the phone, told him what the issue was and said, well, where, you know, where are you? And he said, um, and where is he? He was driving down the hill, but that was only a hill that was like five minutes away from where we were. And he said, he was probably talking on his phone when he shouldn't have been, but he turned around and he said, uh-huh. I'll, I'll turn around and come straight back up the hill. So he's tur- done a U-turn, zoomed straight back up the hill. Within 10 minutes, we were sitting down having a coffee with this guy. Oh. And he had a little, it's a, called a sunbeam, a little sunbeam car, and he yeah. had never let anybody else drive it in the 20 years he'd had that car. But he, oh, let, wow. he let my partner Rick drive that for that scene in the film. So, you know, and, and my partner, Rick, who's amazing, and he coined the phrase phenomenality because whilst I've been working with this real-life movie script scenario and looking at how we learn and duplicate this kind of synchronicity in our life so it's no longer just a, a, a hit-and-miss affair, but we yeah. can actually generate it. How do we generate more and more of this um more and more and more of these phenomenal experiences in our life, more and more of this alignment between having one minute having the thought and suddenly the thing turns up in real life, you know. Yeah. And and my experience of that is that we live in an integrated field and in actual fact our external reality is a reflection of our internal reality and so we always know what the our next level of neurological work to do is by applying ourselves to the next level of challenges in our life. It, like wherever we are in life is perfect. Whatever we've got on our life's plate is completely perfect. We're in the yes. perfect position right now to yes. fully utilise the, all the resource. That's, if you think about all the drama and trauma that we've been through, that takes a lot of energy to generate all that experience. It does. You know? And we have that experience to work with. In We can use that experience to, to develop more and more integrated states. And my experience of that for me, because I've been my own guinea pig and my family and my kids, I can tell you no one's missed out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, because I needed to re-knit my family fabric. You yeah. know, my family was disintegrated. We were all thrown out of home and disowned by the time we were 16. Yeah. You know, we, we, were, we were out on our own and we were like lambs to the slaughter in that big wide world, you yes. know, and... It took a lot, you know, to climb out of that. But, you know, um, but the – where was I? You have to tell me where I am now, Tony. <laughs> 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 oh, 
we are talking about uh, my word for what you're describing is synchronicity, but you have a better oh, yeah. word. Oh, yeah, Rick. Rick was, yeah, yeah, Kevin, just at 16. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, um, the, so Rick, so, so I was relating to it as this phenomenal stuff that gets scripted into films and how do we have more of that happen in real life. Yes, and, and you were explaining how it already does happen in real life. On, it's already happening all the time anyway. That's yes. what is happening. Yes. Life, you know, and this I'll just go back to Rick because Rick was amazing because he was a, a complete adept. You know, when I met Rick 20 years ago, he, he passed away just recently, So, but we had oh. this extraordinary and amazing adventure together and when we met 20 years ago it was at the you know I'd been running these immersion experiences based on this real life movie construct all over the world and yeah. I really needed to come back to Australia to have a new you know it's like the Peter principle you know like we we get to that next level of incompetence in our life and I knew I really needed to come back and do a deep dive into family and relationship again and yes. and get more of that under my belt and I knew I wanted to meet someone I could go on that journey with and I can't tell you I wrote a script and, you know, there he is, he turned up. Yes. And um, and went, the first conversation Rick and I had, he, he, without knowing what I'd done in the past, like that work, he said, oh, look, when I was a boy, I just decided to live my life like it was a movie and I was oh. just gobsmacked. I just sat there and went, what do you mean? You decided, he said, well, look, he said, you know, I just never went to school. I just couldn't understand any because it was before dyslexic was a word, you know. Yes. So yes. He, he was left-handed, dyslexic. He was, you know, he's a post, he was a war baby, Second World War baby. And, of course, they just used to belt those kids. And he was really bright and energetic and, 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 and creative. And, of course, he just created mayhem and havoc, you know. So by the time he got belted at school or belted at home, he just decided he, was, he wasn't going to. He'd spend yeah. a little time in both, and he would just go surfing or to the cinema instead. So he really got his whole life education about the world from film. But as a little boy, because he couldn't read books and no one was reading him books, and yeah. and but he could watch. He could watch, but he didn't realise that movies weren't real. He was uh. absorbing them like blotting paper. Oh. looking at the vibes that people were having up there and then he'd look around his world and see how ordinary everybody else's lives in and he just thought, I want to live like that, yeah. you know. So he made a decision. He was going to um, – he was he – was, uh, he was – he was going to go surfing through life. He live his yes. life like go surfing through life. Live his life like it was a movie, doing extreme things every day. And at the end yeah. of his life, he had this amazing story to tell, and yeah. that was his life script. And he fully committed himself to living that script. And honestly, his life reads like a movie. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And so the 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 immersive experience that Rick and I went on was really for me. Um, you know, having the chance to consolidate all the learnings that I'd accumulated and applied and experimented with and yeah. between his experiment and then bringing that together in the work that we did together. And he coined the phrase, you know, for him, so like, so, you know, you'd love our house. It's a, it's more like a studio um, yeah. cottage. But, you know, we would just do these creative um, journeys that, and it's all written over the walls of the house, like it really oh, is, wow. you know, wherever we went and just capturing the 
the peak moments of those conversations, I just couldn't hold on to anything. Do you know what I mean? I just had to write it up quickly so I didn't forget. And and he was sitting down, you know, I won't go into the story, but he came up with the word phenomenality. You know, it's yes. a phenomenality. And and I love that word, you know, because it's it spoke to me that it's not about just the pursuit of the phenomenal experience, that in actual fact life is the phenomenality. It's yeah. always aligned. It's always letting us know exactly where we're up to and what we need to deal with next in on our own authentic journeys. We're all individuals. We all have our own in, in, uniquely individual neurological pathways based on our experience and epigenetics yeah. and genetics. So no one else can tell us how to find the answer for ourselves we are on our individual journeys and we have to be authentic to that journey and life is like there's no accidents if you're making a movie and you're producing a, a set there's yeah. no accidents on the set if the camera goes to a telephone you know the phone's going to ring the yeah. phone's not there by accident and yeah. i believe in our field of life nothing is there by accident for oh, each yeah. one of us and if we can get the value of each experience instead of trying to push experiences or situations or people away because it it hurts it's like obviously we have to recognize if we're hurting or we're finding something difficult and acknowledge that and take whatever time we need to step away or however to be authentic with ourselves yeah. but ultimately it meeting whatever those challenges are and whatever the emotions and feelings are that are, and thoughts that are coming with them we have the opportunity to do something different with with that information. And anything that hurts is something that's left over from the past. It's not what's happening in the moment now. It's left yeah. over from the past. Yeah. And so we can be grateful for, I feel grateful, for whatever shitty thing might happen next because I'm, and if I'm having feelings about that, I'm going, wow, I'm so grateful that I had this Yes. So yeah. and so turn up and do this particular thing because I didn't even realise that little bit of hurts was still there. Yeah. So now Wendy, I can... Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Before we run out of time, I <laughs> want to know what's next for Agency of Women. Well, I might have to come. I'm incubating it. Like, I'm in pre-production now. I'm just getting my star cast together. This yes. really just was a little intro and an opportunity for me to start talking about it public, which yes. I'm so grateful for you to allow me the time. And for everyone listening, thank you for um Jump on to Wendy's website, which well, is Agency of I Women. Have, I don't have a website yet, and I'm, I don't have but any it's coming that. soon. It's coming soon. I'll have to yeah. come back and let everybody know about it. But thank yes. you for letting me share. They can always send a message to you and you can forward it to me. Absolutely. I've yeah. got Wendy's email up, which is wendy at wendyharper.com. And um, I know that we I will have to get you back on the show uh, soon. And I'm putting my hand up to be a secret agent for the agency of women. And I know that we'll be talking again soon. We are out of time. I'm so sorry. We've talked right up. Uh, Kim said, we need to hear more from this guest. Yes, Kim, I will make sure that we hear more from Wendy as soon as I can find time in her schedule to have her back on again. 
Um, yes, Pam, I will definitely have Wendy back on again. Wendy, it would appear that you are an immense success on Radio Tony. And before <laughs> I get Rebel saying it's time to get off air, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Wendy, for your valued time coming on Radio Tony today. Um, thank you for our listeners for listening and your wonderful questions. You know how much I love you. And I will join you next week for more Radio Tony. And uh, that's us for this week. Bye for now. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations. Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. With Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio 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 Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mom!